Good afternoon and welcome to the Peer Educator and Vodcast series, Ending the HIV Epidemic. My name is Rachel Finsky and I'm a librarian at the University of South Alabama's Biomedical Library. And today we continue our vodcast series on HIV topics, all in an effort to support the Ending the HIV Epidemic. The EHE or Ending the HIV Epidemic is an initiative set forth by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services that strives to end the HIV epidemic in the U.S. by 2030. The goal is to reach a 75% reduction in new HIV infections by 2025 and at least 90% reduction by 2030. Additionally, 20% of the new cases are among youth. So in an effort to create awareness and continue dialogue among this population, students from the University of South Alabama and the University of the Virgin Islands has teamed up with experts in the field from the AIDS Education and Training Center program out of the Northeast and Caribbean. We are very excited today that we have Eddie Moraz from the Northeast AETC with us as our guest speaker, um, as he will be asking or answering questions from our students on the topic of confidential HIV testing. So welcome, Eddie. Um, I also have my colleague, Debbie Cicero-Sefer, um, along with me and all of our students from South Alabama and the Virgin Islands. So this is gonna be a fun dialogue. Um, before we get started, I'm gonna introduce my colleague, Debbie, who will then introduce her colleague, Eddie. Um, Debbie is a public health nurse. She's also a um, educator and liaison to the AETC who has been working with HIV AIDS for over 30 years. Um, she is um, a trainer and supporter of those who have HIV in the um, communities of South Florida and the Virgin Islands. So I'm so happy she's with us today. Good afternoon, Rachel, students, Eddie, so great to be with everybody uh, Friday afternoon, and I'm loving the fact that we just keep coming back for more information and sharing. Uh, I want to introduce a new friend of mine, actually. This is Eddie. Eddie uh, has worked in the field of HIV, like myself, for quite a while. He started working back in 20,000, or 20,000, uh, and started providing case management services, which um, really are very, very significant in keeping people connected to care. Uh, so I, I love the fact that he has this background and he did this work in Seattle and in San Francisco, uh, where he became and trained as a family nurse practitioner. After completing a fellowship in SUNY Downstate in Brooklyn, he became a primary care provider and an HIV specialist at Callan Lord Primary uh, Community Healthcare Center. Eddie has provided HIV medical care for nearly 13 years now in New York City and at a federally qualified healthcare center. Throughout his very long career in doing this work, he has also served as a clinical instructor to HIV specialists in training and to nursing students. So without further ado, Eddie, welcome and thank you for being a part of our day. Thank you for having me, Debbie. It's, it's, it's fun to be here. 
Okay, um, well, let's just get the um, questions going. I will just mention that um, those in the audience, if they would like to ask a question, you can do so in the chat box. Um, but we'll have a series of rounds um, by our students and we'll get to the chat um, towards the end. So let's get it started. And I think, Connor, you're going to start it off. Absolutely. Hey, Eddie, my name is Connor Thurtell. I'm a senior here at the University of South Alabama. And I would just like to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your day, especially on a Friday, to be here and speak on this important topic. So I have a very hard-hitting question for you, but I think it's going to be a good one to start us off with. And that is, who should get tested and why? Yeah, of course. Thanks thanks for that introduction, everyone. And I appreciate uh, your question, Connor. It's, it's, it's nice to be here. Who should get tested? Well, the CDC recommends that every single person above 13 get tested at least once in their lifetime. However, there are recommendations to have routine and regular STI and HIV testing at least annually. So I think some people may benefit from more frequent STI or HIV testing. Um, those who have uh, more than one partner um, or hook up with more than one partner uh, should consider getting HIV testing at least every six months. Some people might need it more. And of course, you know, anytime you think you've had a high risk uh, interaction might be a good time to consider getting an HIV test. What is high risk? To me, uh, that's condomless sex with someone and um, someone that, that may be a new partner. Awesome. Thank you so much. Sure. Hi, Eddie. My name is Nagisha. I go to the University of South Alabama. I'm a senior, and I'm so glad you're here. So excited. I wanted to ask, um, what is the difference between a at-home rapid self-kit and a mailed-in self-kit? Thank you, Nakisha. That's a good question. So at-home testing, um, those are frequently can be purchased at drugstores. You can buy them online, and they can be mailed to you. So those types of tests you perform on your own, right? So they're very easy to collect, usually saliva, um, and your results are given to you within 15 minutes. And it's usually quite a simple process. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, as simple as maybe a home pregnancy test. Maybe not that simple, but it should be that easy to figure out. Um, the biggest differences are the results are yours only. It's completely anonymous since the information is only given to you and you are the only one that can provide that information to someone else. Um, Mail-in kits are also a good option. Um, you know, there are plenty of companies and institutions that will mail you a kit and usually it's also simple to collect, but that information, that, that kit is then mailed back to the lab and they conduct the testing and will inform you of your results. So there might be a longer delay as opposed to at-home testing. Usually you'll have your results in 15 minutes. If you have to mail it in, there's time for you know, the length of time it takes to get to the lab, the length of time for them to process it, the length of time for them to give you that information. So it could be two to three weeks. Um, it's also important to consider that that information is confidential, but it's not anonymous since they have to collect some kind of information of, of yours to organize it. You know, they got to make sure you're the correct Tom Smith. They got to correct, make sure that, you know, you're the right person with the right, with the right birth date. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. Thank you so much. 
Of course. Eddie, hello and good afternoon. First and foremost, I just want to say I feel so humbled and privileged to be in your presence today. Thank you for being with us. My name is Jakima Fleming, and I am a student here at the University of the Virgin Islands. Speaking on the topic of testing, I have one simple question for you. Which is more effective, the saliva test or the blood test? Well, that is a good question. I think bottom line is tests are effective, okay? So there are ranges on what is effective, and it is known that blood tests tend to be much more effective than saliva tests. Now, when we start, start talking about blood tests, there's a variety of different types of tests that are conducted, right? So on the whole, you know, I can, I can confidently say that blood tests tend to be slightly more accurate. However, saliva tests are also accurate and they have a high utility because of the ease, you know, like some people aren't comfortable, you know, going in for testing and they want to keep this information private. So I think we should focus on the fact that, you know, someone has access to a test, someone can do this on their own and it's easy and simple. You know, it may be, you know, they may be not as effective as a blood test, but if the test is positive, in any case, even if it's a blood test done in the office, it will be confirmed. So a saliva test also needs to be confirmed by additional testing. In-office tests are also confirmed because we want to make sure that you get the correct information. Okay, got it. Confirmation is important. Thank you. Yeah. Hi, Eddie. Thank you so much for taking the time to answer all of our questions. Um, my name is Ajadi Patterson, and I'm a senior at the University of um, South Alabama. And my question is more like advice towards dating. So while you're getting to know someone, should a person discuss their status within the first few encounters? Or when do you think would be an appropriate time to discuss what? Yeah, of course, that's a sticky situation, right? Because it's all going to be based on one's own comfort level, correct? And, you know, you meet, we've all met new partners and new people we're dating. And sometimes, you know, you're like, oh, I like this person, you know, but I'm not really sure. I'm going to test it out. I'm going to see them again. And some people you have an amazing connection with and you, you both are drawn to one another and both want to make the decision to have physical intimacy. I think it's a great to lead by example here. Um, I try to remind my patients that they are individuals and they have the most control of their health. And I think, you know, stepping up to make, to start the conversation and not wait for the other person to start the conversation is incredibly important. And I think, you know, there are ways to kind of do this and when to do that is all based on comfort level. And there's, there's ways to do it. And I recommend either saying, Hey, you know, I'm finding a, a I'm finding a connection here. And I, I'm curious if you are too. And, and, you know, I don't want to turn things off, but I think it's really important that we talk about HIV status and when you got your last test. I want to enjoy sex with you and I don't want to have to have any worries, right? Because that just takes the fun out of it. If you hook up with someone and then all of a sudden you're worried, what did I do? You know, that just takes the thrill out of everything. Um, you know, and it's also sometimes it's good to just acknowledge the awkwardness, you know, just say, hey, I know this is awkward. Like, but I think it's important. So I know each tactic can be different depending on the person, but I think, you know, 
when you start feeling that closeness and that openness to have physical intimacy with someone, that's the best time to do it. Okay, thank you. Hey, Eddie. My name is Amos Lindsay. I go by AJ. Uh, I want to thank you for coming today. Um, my question for you is, will the government or notifying agency provide my results to my previous partners? No, absolutely not. Your information is protected by federal laws. All of your health information is protected by federal laws that every single healthcare facility has to follow. And additionally, anything that's related to HIV testing or results, that actually has additional protections. So the, the Department of Health or anyone cannot contact your partners. So here's the thing. There are a lot of, department of departments of health do um, offer partner notification. Um, excuse me, my, my light went off because I'm not moving. Here we go. Um, excuse me. So they do offer partner notification. Um, and, you know, the only way that they can find out who your partners are is you have to provide them that information. So the goal is to help people have this conversation because it's important to, to know when you've been at risk or put at risk. And, you know, the Department of Health may not tell the person who it is, but, you know, depending on the person and who they're contacting, let's say, for example, you have a partner, they've only had sex with one person in the last two years, it's you. They get a call from Department of Health that they've been exposed. They can probably put two and two together that it may have been you. So, you know, there is a potential that a person can figure it out, but they can't give your private information. Okay. And also, are you able to tell them that they're allowed to so that the person can know who it was? It depends on the jurisdiction, truthfully. I think many in New York City, they don't offer that. They usually just offer confidential testing, you know, but I'm not sure about every county and what the jurisdictions are. You could potentially provide that information, but I think it's going to be localized in terms of if that's available. Okay, thank you so much. Sure. These are great questions. Yeah, I think we have um, a little bit time for more. Um, Connor or Asia Ree or whoever wants to jump in, go ahead. Absolutely. I actually have, oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. You can go ahead and do that. Um, my question is another like advice question. So what advice can you give to someone who is unsure of whether to disclose their HIV status to their family? Yeah, I guess um, that's a complex thing because it requires a little bit more understanding from the individual's part. Like what are the fears, right? So there's so many things um, that go through someone's head and emotionally people can go through a lot when they learn of their status, especially if it's positive. Some people, you know, seek more information. Some people retract and want to keep this information private. And there's a lot of stigma still associated with HIV. So there's a natural reaction and fear that maybe somebody won't accept you or somebody's going to judge you, all these things. And it's, 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 a, it's a nuanced thing. And I think really to kind of find out what the fears are and vocalizing these fears is very important. And if you're a close friend or a counselor or a, a peer advocate that is 
you know, has a good rapport with someone and they want to talk to you about their HIV status, you can kind of work with them about kind of exploring what those things are and providing some, some, some comfort in being able to discuss these things because practice, it does take some practice for some people to talk about these things. Some people are naturally talkative. I, I myself love to share infor information and other people are more guarded. So all things are okay, obviously, but if somebody's drawn to wanting to share with their family, maybe having a conversation of what, what the truly, truly the fears are could kind of overcome those fears, if that makes sense. Yeah. Thank you. Awesome. Eddie, now that you mentioned fear, I have another question for you, please. Now, I know a lot of persons, especially persons our age, are very fearful of getting tested. My question is, how common are false negative or false positive HIV test results? Yeah, I think that's a good question to ask. And nothing is perfect, unfortunately, when it comes to tests. All, we do have high confidence level on the types of tests. So even though false positives and false negatives do occur, false positives tend to occur more frequently than false negatives. Um, because tests can become come reactive for other reasons that aren't necessarily um, 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 HIV related. Um, but the negatives, you know, if it's negative, we can generally be confident that it's negative if it's collected appropriately. You know, I think bottom line, these tests are effective. There's gray areas depending on the type of test. And I think it's important when you get the test to ask your clinician or whoever's ever conducting the test, hey, what is, what is the likelihood that this could be a false positive? Am I in the right window to get tested? I think it's a good conversation to ask. For example, you know, this is, um, and I had this conversation with a patient this week who had a high risk uh, sexual encounter with a new partner three weeks ago, and he wanted to get HIV tested and was curious, will this test that I perform on him be able to accurately capture uh, uh, um, an infection from three weeks ago? And I was glad that he brought that up because the test on average is about three weeks. However, because of each individual's immune response, that gives a bit of a window of when the test could be positive. So some, there's a window uh, for the fourth generation, which is the common test that we do in an office um, that we send to the lab. It could be the positive test result can come as early as 14 days, or some people it could take up to 35 days. So there's a window. So in him talking to me about that, I ordered an additional test that could bring down the window detection period to less than a week. And so that closed the gap for that. So it's important to kind of talk to these things. If you're curious, find out what the test is and the person who's conducting the test should be able to give you that information. Wow, thank you. Sure. Eddie, thank you so much. Uh, you know, it's what I love about this is it's a conversation. And as you know, from your years of working in the field, um, it hasn't always been as easy to have a conversation. And it really is about uh, being approachable and having what seems at the front end being a tough conversation, but how comfortable we can become if we just try it and, 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 and do it with people like yourself 
who have information and who are very approachable. So thank you for being so approachable. And I do have one last question before we let you off the hook today. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I haven't felt that I've been on the hook. This is just wonderful information to be able to share with other people. Wonderful. Well, the, the last thing is really an opportunity for you to put it all together for us. Um, what, what message would you like to get out to us and everyone that is listening today or maybe watching the recording? What should we take away from this conversation? You know, when I think about my own youth and when I work, I also work with college students. You know, this is a time that's very exciting. You're learning who you are by these big choices that you make. Um, and we all are prone to taking various risks. And that's how many of us learn and experiment with things. So enjoy this time, you know, to be able to find out who you are. But you are always empowered. I tell my patients, it is in your power. You are the one that has control of your health, ultimately. I can help you through this process. Your partner, your girlfriend can help you through this process. But really, it's all up to you. Some people can help you stay accountable. So take care of yourself. Really kind of understand what your own boundaries and limits are, right? If you're not the type of person that is going to have sex without a condom, then really make that clear to your partners and try to not to budge on that, okay? Someone who respects you will respect your boundaries. So remember these things that ultimately, you know, to me, a hookup is never gonna be worth it. And unfortunately, it, it does only take one encounter. It takes that one encounter to make someone HIV positive and a hookup is never gonna be worth it in the long run. And that's not to be doom and gloom because obviously I, I, I'm a very sex positive person. I like to talk to people about sex and I try to be as non-judgmental as possible. But at the same time, I remind people, it's up to you to take care of yourself. No one else is gonna do it. So remember you have that power. And I think it can be powerful once you realize that it's all in your hands. Wow, that's been really a good, um, you know, dialogue um, with a lot of really, really good information. And actually, um, while we're talking about testing, I want to just put up some information as to where um, people can get tested in the Mobile area. Um, AIDS Alabama South provides um, HIV testing, um, as well as the Mobile County Health Department. Um, there are multiple locations of the uh, Mobile County Health Department, and you can always go to the USA Student Health Center. Um, they provide HIV testing as well. For those joining in in the Virgin Islands, um, in St. Thomas, the East End Medical Center provides HIV testing. Um, in St. Croix, the Frederickstead Healthcare Center, and both locations on St. Thomas and St. Croix um, of the U.S. Department, um, the Virgin Islands Department of Health. So there are a variety of areas to get tested because knowing your status is the first step in staying healthy. And as a librarian, I know that knowledge is power and also knowing your HIV status gives you power to live a long and healthy life. So I really, really enjoyed this um, conversation. Uh, next week, we will have another a uh, wonderful guest speaker from the AETC. We will be talking about PrEP, 
and the episode will be Why Worry Consider PrEP, and PrEP stands for Pre-Exposure Prophylactic. Um, it is a medication to help prevent HIV. So that will be next Friday um, at one o'clock Central uh, to Eastern. So um, we welcome everybody back again. Um, we also have a YouTube um, location. You can follow us on youtube.com forward slash user forward slash USA Biomed. So I want to thank Eddie so, so much for um, providing thank such you. a wonderful um, dialogue with all of our students from South Alabama and the beautiful Virgin Islands. And um, Debbie, thank you so much. And we will see everybody next next week at the same time. So everybody have a, a great day and a wonderful weekend. Bye. Thank you all. Bye. Bye.